Uh, so, uh, so last week when we, when we ended last week, you know, as we got toward the end, you know, there's that scene where Jesus comes out and he speaks the words of Isaiah 43, 1 to, uh, to Mary, you know, and he calls her name and, and then he reminds her, you know, I've, I've, I've known you, I know who you are, uh, I, I have redeemed you, I've called you by name, you're mine. And, and you have that scene where they embrace. And, and that really is the, the moment in, when, in which Mary is receiving healing. So as you come into the next episode, that, that storyline kind of continues a bit, and you see Mary uh, out in the, in the square in the, in the town market, and obviously you can tell just from her appearance that something amazing has happened in her life. Uh, her appearance is very different from what it was in that first episode. And, and Nicodemus uh, gets word that this healing has occurred, and, and he's thinking that it's something that he has done. So he goes to find Mary, so he, you know, find out, what did I do? Probably so he's thinking, I can do it again. Uh, but, but he goes, and he has this inter, uh, interchange with her in the market where he's trying to find out exactly what happened. And she's explaining to him that it wasn't anything that he did. And, and that leads to this, uh, the last part of this conversation between the two of them, where she's trying to tell him what has happened to her. He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. And it was so Even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. His time for men? <laughs> he performs miracles and seeks no credit? What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? <laughs> I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I. I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. I love that phrase. I was one way, and now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. I think that's probably the, the most succinct, the, the best description of, of what we might call a conversion experience or a new birth or a regeneration. And I love it that she says, I, I don't understand it myself. I just know that this is what has happened. Too often in faith, I think we feel like we have to be able to explain it. We have to be able to offer a, a mechanism. We have to be able to understand it. We have to be able to grasp it. We can't share it with one another if we can't explain it. And, and I love that she just offers this up and perhaps is, is giving us a, a pathway for us to understand that, you know, you don't have to understand it. You don't have to be able to explain it to be a witness to the power of God. You just have to be able to say, you've experienced it. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Let's pray. 
Almighty God, we uh, give you thanks for the sun that comes and warms us this morning and ask that the thing that would happen to us this morning would be you. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the, the, the focus of the week uh, really is on the practice of Sabbath, uh, the Shabbat, and, and, and the meal that goes with that. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, as I was, uh, I did this service at five o'clock yesterday and, and went home and turned on the news and saw all the, the events going on up in Colleyville and just was struck that here we are getting ready to talk about Sabbath, this, this ancient Jewish practice, and, and we have this hostage uh, situation going on up at uh, the synagogue in Colleyville, which thankfully has resolved and, and the people who were taken hostage are fine. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I thought, you know, how how ironic and, and yet how interesting that God would have us uh, thinking about Sabbath and, and that this event would occur. And I just invite your prayers to be around that community and uh, around the gentleman that lost his life in that. Um, when we talk about Sabbath and Shabbat, this is, this is an ancient practice. Many, the, the, the show goes back to nine, I think 948 B.C. or something like that. It goes back a thousand years ahead of the time of Christ to help us understand that this is the Sabbath meal is something that's been part of the tradition for thousands of years. This is a, a critical point in time where, when uh, the Jewish people come and, and, and stop and, and have that time to reflect on who they are and who God is. And, and in the Jewish tradition, it, it's uh, Friday evening because uh, the Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday. Uh, if you're not familiar, the, the ancient Hebrew calendar was a lunar calendar, uh, and the Roman one was a solar calendar. And we're used to the solar calendar, but, but they ran on the lunar calendar. And that's incidentally why, if you've ever wondered why Easter moves around so much in the spring, it's tied to the phase of the moon. So um, th there's this instruction in Scripture about keeping Sabbath that occurs in Exodus and Deuteronomy. And I wanna, I'm going to read both of these to you. And I want you to listen for the ways in which they are alike and also for the ways in which they are different. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Now listen to Deuteronomy. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So if you heard that the actual instructions were almost word for word the same about keeping the day holy. And not only you not do any work, but your family not do any work, your servants not do any work, your animals not do any work. Uh, I mean, it's a very extensive kind of injunction. Uh, and it was interesting the last time I was in Israel uh, when we were staying at a hotel on, the, on Tiberias, 
uh, all the food for the, the day of the Sabbath was all cold and it was all set out on, on cold tables ahead of time so that none of the staff at the hotel was working on the Sabbath day when, uh, and when we got up and the food was all provided for us that way. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's this day uh, that starts and, and, and you're not to do any work, but the, the justification for it, do you hear there's a little difference in there? The first in Exodus talks about the fact that God in six days made everything that is, and then the seventh day God rested and reflected on all that he had made and declared it good. In Deuteronomy, it points to God bringing the Israelites out of Egypt in the Exodus itself. Now, all those, those are, are subtly different. Uh, actually, you know, the Deuteronomy is kind of a subset out of Exodus because what, what you're supposed to do is reflect that day on what God has done and what God has done for you. And that's the reflection of the day. It's to be a time to, to, to give thanks to God for all that God has done. It's a time to think about how God has blessed you and how you have blessed those around you. Uh, and that remembrance of the, the bringing out of the Exodus is, is, is kind of a subset of, of the greater work of all creation that God has done. It's something else that God has done for the people of Israel. So this is a time to, to, stop, to stop and think about what God has done for us. You know, we're, we're, we're a technological people. Uh, we're very keyed into everything that we make and everything that we control and everything that we plan and everything that we do. And God says, you know, you need, you need to take this day and stop doing so that you can realize that, that you're not God. That God is still God. And, and that beyond everything that you do, God has provided for you. As you uh, listen uh, in that show, you'll hear a traditional greeting. Randy did it uh, earlier at the service, Shabbat Shalom, which is the traditional greeting on the Sabbath. Uh, it literally means a Sabbath of peace, or, or may your Sabbath be peaceful. Uh, that word shalom I want to just take a moment with. Uh, we sing shalom to you at the end of the services, and I've often kind of wondered that you know, if people are visiting, they're kind of going, well, what was that about? Um, we think of shalom as peace, and in our mind, peace we think of as the absence of conflict. But I want you to hear that the, the term uh, in Hebrew actually has a much uh, broader base than that. Uh, now, I'm going to be honest with you. I studied Greek. More, not Hebrew was not my language. Greek was my language when I was going through school. Um, but I went to the, uh, the coffee shop rabbi, who uh, incidentally, if you want to know Hebrew, this is a great place to go to find out about Hebrew. Uh, now, this guy writes some really good stuff, uh, and it was recommended to me by one of my Hebrew people. Uh, so, uh, and he says, you know, like most words in the Semitic languages, it's based on a root of three consonants. I'm not going to pronounce all the Hebrew because I'm not going to butcher it, because remember, it's not my language. Uh, but from that root of those three consonants, uh, they get many words, and you see that it means complete or, or finished, uh, to pay a bill, uh, repay, wholeness. Uh, what all those have in common is a sense of integrity of nothing missing or awry. When I greet you with shalom, I am wishing you wholeness of body and spirit. And, uh, and, and my, my friends, uh, my Hebrew friends would say that it's, it's wholeness of body and spirit, but also wholeness of relationship with those around you. So when we say shalom, the, the idea is you know, to have a wholeness or integrity of, of who you are physically, spiritually, emotionally, and an integrity of the relationships around you that prevent conflict from occurring that is why it brings peace because things are in right relationship as they should be it's a more holistic kind of understanding of that word peace 
than what we often do. So that, that's that shalom. And when we say Shabbat shalom, we're wishing that kind of peace to be upon someone as they remember the Sabbath and, and observe the Sabbath. Also, one of the things I, I noticed going through this, and you'll, you'll start, if you watch carefully, you'll notice that there's a lot of little short prayers that occur uh, uh, when they're laying down and when they're getting up, when they're getting ready to eat, when they're washing their feet. You'll, you'll see these little prayers scattered about through the video. Now, some of these are very traditional Hebrew prayers that are done uh, for rising in the morning. Uh, I gratefully thank you, O living and eternal King, for you have returned my soul within me with compassion. Abundant is your faithfulness. Uh, there's a prayer for, for going to bed at night. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings sleep to my eyes. Uh, there's blessing over the, the wine and the bread, right? Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Little, little brief prayers that are pronounced at different times and all. And you notice that none of them are long, drawn-out prayers. They're all fairly concise and brief and offered over and over. A, a friend of mine a long time ago uh, described this as arrow prayers. Uh, she said they're little, little short prayers. You, you shoot up to God like an arrow at different times during your days. You're going about your business. You know, thank you, God, for this. Uh, Lord, would you help me with this? Uh, Lord, would you forgive that guy out on 183? Um, it's a lot better than what you usually say, right? I mean, you know, so, uh, but, but they're little short prayers and, and, and they're offered throughout the day so that, you know, our, our whole day becomes kind of lifted up in the spirit of prayer uh, into the presence of God and, and our, our day becomes kind of a mini Sabbath as we move through the day. And, and if you haven't noticed that, if you're watching the videos and you haven't noticed that, I encourage you to look for it and listen for it. Uh, sometimes you'll have to turn the volume up to catch what they're saying because it's fairly quiet. But, but they're interspersed all through this. And um, actually, it's, it's very faithful to the Hebrew tradition of the time uh, to have all these little prayers and blessings through the day. So, so as you get into this video, the, they're preparing for the Sabbath, uh, for the Shabbat meal, uh, which is the Friday evening meal to celebrate the Sabbath. And as they prepare to do that, uh, you meet different people who are doing things in different ways. Um, you're going to have uh, uh, Matthew, the tax collector, uh, is one of the characters. And, and, and Matthew, uh, you know, really bless his heart. And, you know, no one likes him because he's a tax collector, right? Now, forget the IRS stuff that you're thinking of. This is, this is beyond that. Uh, he, he's a tax collector. I mean, to the Jews, he's a traitor. He's collecting taxes for the Roman oppressors. To the Jews, he's a traitor. Even his own family disowns him. And, and to the Romans, he's still a Jewish guy. Uh, in fact, uh, the, Jew, the, the Roman uh, derogatory term for the Jews was dogs. Uh, they look down upon them. And, and it's interesting that, that in this time when they're doing their Sabbath, he prepares a dish and goes to his family's home and feels he cannot enter it because his family has disowned him. And he ends up sharing his Sabbath meal literally, with a dog. You, you have Simon, who's going to become Peter later on, but for now he's still Simon, at his home with his wife Eden and uh, his brother Nathaniel. And they're sharing the meal there in their home. And, and, and Simon is, is going to break the Sabbath because he's in hock to the Romans on his taxes. And so he's cooked up a scheme to try to make enough money to get around that. And, and, and he's going to leave the Sabbath. He's going to break the Sabbath. To go do that. Have you ever been tempted not to observe the Sabbath because you think you might be able to make some more money 
When I was in the hill country, uh, there was a gentleman named O.W. Rushi. He had Rushi's gas station and convenience store up on 29. And uh, O.W. was been doing this for a long time, big old tall drink of water. And uh, his sons kept saying, we need to be open on Sunday because they closed on Sunday. And they said, O.W., if we open on Sunday, can we just do it like during deer season? We'd make so much money. And O.W. would say, if you can't make a living in six days, you can't make it in seven There's a lot of wisdom in understanding that you're not going to make enough in that extra day to make up for what you're going to lose. And then we have Nicodemus, uh, the Pharisee, the member of the Sanhedrin, and we have Mary who's celebrating her first Shabbat since she was a child. Nicodemus is, is lavish, loaded with food. Uh, being served on his wife explains all the, the gold and the silver and everything that's on the table, all the fancy things that are there and, and the tradition behind it all. Mary's is plain. Nicodemus, is, it's an honor to be invited to his and to come and, and to be in his present. Mary's is, is populated by people who just get word that she's doing it and kind of show up and come. And as you go through it, you, you get a sense of the difference between these different ways of celebrating the Sabbath. Um, there's a little clip out of Nicodemus's in particular I want to share with you. It kind of gives you an idea of what's going on at his home. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, Rabbi. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Oh, honored rabbi. We are humbled and honored by your presence in Capernaum. You make us whole. Only God can do that. Shall we join the others? Thank you. Try to get the seat near the head of the table. That's a little challenging to get the volume right in this room for you to hear that, but I hope you heard as he came in that, oh, honored rabbi. I'm so honored to be here. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Do, you, do you hear it? There's, you know, there's a vernacular for doing that that I'm not going to say here. But, but he's really laying it on thick, isn't he? Yeah, he's currying favor. And I love the way when, when Nicodemus kind of rebukes him in that, that Nicodemus' wife smooths it over. But did you hear the last words the young man said to his wife as they came in? See if you can get a, a seat near the head of the table kind of foreshadows some teaching that Jesus is going to give us, doesn't it? I mean, this, this, this meal for, for this young couple, this is, this is all about currying favor. This is about political leverage. This is about positioning and privilege. They've come to work the system for their advantage. And contrast that with Mary, who, who has this humble gathering of people at her table, and, and she has to write down the things that she's going to say and pray, because it's been so long since she did it. And most of the people at her table are folks that she's not met before until that night. And her last guest to arrive is Jesus himself, who comes to the door, and there's a wonderful scene where she kind of stands there and stares at him, you know, and he finally kind of has to say, uh, is, is, is it okay? If I... And she allows him to come in and sit. And then she launches in. And I, I want you to listen to the words that she is saying in this. And I want you to notice the difference that you see in these four different 
Shabbat meals that are taking place. Now the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. And God completed on the seventh day his work that he did. And God, and God abstained on the seventh day from all the work he did. And God blessed the seventh day and he hallowed it. For thereon he abstained from all the work that God created to do. Blessed are you, Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. You have lovingly and willingly given us. You have lovingly and willingly given us your Shabbat as an inheritance in memory of creation. Because this is the first day of our holy assemblies in memory of the exodus from Egypt. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread from the earth. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you, which one of those meals would you have found true rest and true fellowship with Christ at? At which one would you have experienced the reality of, of the promises and, and blessings given us in Scripture? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. At, at which one of those meals could you have experienced the reality of those words of Scripture? At which one would you have known that God was with you? At, at which one of them could you have felt the burden lifted off your shoulders? At which one of them could you have felt the protection from the harshness of the world and the things that would hurt you? At which one of them would have you have known God's love claiming you as precious? At which one of them could you have believed that God is working for good in your life? At all of them. The reality is that uh, we're called. <laughs> we're called to, to stop. To remember that God rested on this day. Blessed it. Called us to rest and remember what God has done for us.
And if you listened, you heard Mary reading some of these scriptures as she moved into this. So if you long for that, let me, let me ask you, what, what, keeps you, what keeps you from resting in Jesus? What is it? I mean, is it, is it that you're just too busy? Too busy to do it? The world is whirling. You feel like you can't let go. You've got too many things you have to do. You have too many things you have to accomplish. And do you, do you long, do you long for a life that isn't burning you out or constantly making you tired? I, I'm always running into that among people when I talk to, that we live in this culture where we want to brag about how busy we are, and yet when we do it, I'm, I'm hearing the weariness about everything we're trying to do all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the call of Shabbat is to, is to stop for a while and be in the presence of God. I mean, it's just to, just to stop. Just to stop. To realize that you are not the one who guarantees your life and holds it up. But that you're God's child and that God has you. Just, just to stop for a while. And, and, and then to sit. <laughs> and preferably with family, whatever family looks like, whether it's actually blood relatives or whether it's friends or whoever gathers Mary's family that night at the table are not related to her by blood not one of them to gather to gather and to and to sit not to stop doing your work so that you can start working in the yard and you can start doing this chore and you can start doing that chore and you can go to this activity and you can go to this activity but to stop and and, and to sit And to pray. Not necessarily long prayers, but honest and real. And then to remember what God has done for you. You know, I, I, I'm always aware that so many people, when they've been asked, they'll talk about all the amazing things God has done in their life. But then you'll say, well, how many of you have told someone about this? And only about 10% of that group will have told anyone, and the reason why is they don't want people thinking they're crazy. I'm afraid they'll think I'm weird. The Sabbath meal is a place to share that, to stop, to sit, to pray, to remember what God has done, to retell the story of what God has done for you, and then just to wait, to wait. To be still, to know that He is God and we are not. To share in the meal that God has blessed us with around the table and, and to be nourished in body as well as in spirit and then to give thanks for all that God has done. It, it, it's a time to, to stop being in control of everything, to stop trying to make everything happen. To stop trying to explain everything. To slow yourself down enough that you can experience the reality of the presence of God. And having experienced that, maybe to be able to say, I was one way, and now I am completely different. Thing that happened in between 
was him. Let's pray. My Father, we thank you for your gift of love. That you crafted us, you breathed life into us. That you pour out blessing upon us and you, you call us to this time to, to step away. And just know for a moment that you are God. To remember all that you have done for us. For the love that, that knit us together and knows us inside out. For the love that has claimed us and called us by name and redeemed us. And so, Father, we give you thanks. For we were one way and now, now we are completely different. And we have no explanation except to say that the thing that was in between was you. Amen.